0: Hey everyone, just wanted to give you a quick heads up about today's episode. It's actually going to be a repost, it's the audio from a different podcast, um, but it was an interview that I did with Mike Corvino, and um, it's actually about a patient case and what we're doing at VUCA Health, so I think this is actually the first kind of patient clinical thing we've done on RX Radio here, but anyway, hope you enjoy.
1: welcome to yet another episode of the core console rx podcast my name is mike corvino with me as always cole swanson and we got another guest in the studio today dr richard wraith what's up brother
0: I'm doing well, sir. How are you doing well? i'm gonna I'm gonna say just to start out here. It took every bone in my body not to mess up your intro.
1: Why? <laughs> I can
0: see it in your face. Do you not remember the you when you messed up my intro?
1: Yeah, I do. <laughs> I
0: wanted to get you back so bad. I was like, let me not do it though. No.
1: we messed up the intro just recently <laughs> with uh with something, remember I think you started uh-huh. your thought and I hadn't I was taking one of my dramatic pauses <laughs> my sig- my signature dramatic pauses, and uh, then I was like call. Let me finish the entire <laughs> intro. yeah. <laughs> and then we ended up leaving it in the final yeah. <laughs> produced audio. Yeah,
2: well, you're you're more professional, Rich than than Mike, of course. <laughs> wow, so yeah. I that's, try to be. That's super debatable. <laughs> so super uh, for the, for those of you who
1: don't know, Rich, um, he is the host, founder, and owner of RX Radio Podcast. So he's uh, the one that with the yellow emblem you'll see all over Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and all the other. Uh, social media platforms.
0: Yeah, so I tried to make it look like a chemical symbol.
1: That that hit. Hmm. Never even, want, never, I I never get even, get even once thought that. Like periodic periodic Darn table. It. Yeah,
2: I I see, see it now? now. I see it now. That's cool.
1: I do remember uh, you hit your business cards were like perfect squares. I thought yeah. that was a neat <laughs> neat feature. <laughs> not
2: re- not rectangular. Nah, man,
0: they're legit square. Like I wanted it to come like if it was right off the periodic table.
1: Huh. Clever. Yeah. What's our atomic mass? Yeah, there you go. Infinity. More than we want. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> How would you get one mole yeah, if yeah. it's infinity? You don't. Unbelievable. I work every day to lose that You don't get a mole. Uh, you get zero moles. Yeah. Zero. We'll never get to Avogadro's number. So the other thing about today's episode, and you know, you're know, you thinking, why? It's episode 52. Why, why would you have a special episode then? Well, it's because we don't plan things out.
2: We do it whenever we want. <laughs>
1: The, uh, the big deal with today's episode is hopefully, depending on if I can get the stuff right in the post-production, mm-hmm. this is going to be the first episode that is done in virtual reality.
2: My so own.
1: what yeah. that means, if you're like, what is he talking about? Um, for those of you who aren't aware, there's things like the Oculus Go, Oculus Rift, um, and other different platforms that you can use for virtual reality. And YouTube has a virtual reality component of the... Uh, their platform so we are going to upload a uh, video we're streaming right now on this on a on a video using a 360 camera and we're going to hopefully get this to work out we'll see so you're the first person ever to see this on vr if you are watching congratulations yes you made it you're sitting sitting at the table with us it's
2: literally like you're here so the seat with the purple headphones it's all for you
1: that gong's for you. Ta-da! <laughs> that's awesome. Yes, I had, <laughs> the use, ta-da <laughs> I had an opportunity to use the from Cole. I had opportunity to use these sound effects.
2: <laughs> you, you can never let that ride without saying "ta-da" now forever. No, yeah, it's right after. Okay, yep. they're basically hand in hand. Okay, good, perfect.
1: So, uh, yeah, that's the uh, that's the episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I
2: challenge you to find another medical podcast that's in VR. A challenge. It's you. not going to
1: happen. No, no. not going to happen. It. This is the future, though, and I think that I know a lot of you probably don't mess with VR yet, but that's okay because it's coming, and you're definitely going to want to because it's freaking awesome. Yeah. So you might want to go ahead and pick up an Oculus Go so you can come uh, sit at the table with us and do the podcast with us. We even got a microphone sitting here empty for you.
2: It's interactive. I mean, it's all you could want. Super interactive. It's next level.
1: Yep. Our uh, sound guy and and, uh, audio engineer, Pete, is not with us today so you don't don't actually get to see him working the stuff behind the scenes he's
2: slowly but surely gonna replace steve yes
1: so he's uh he's actually on a plane going to germany right now is that right yeah yeah he's gonna go there for work so um he's gonna do that instead of helping us on the podcast so some people first day of vr and pete's
2: already i don't know about that guy yeah
1: (laughs) he's probably getting fired most likely (laughs) (laughs) i would say i have to ask him to leave yeah i would say he's done (laughs) no (laughs) severance package oh not even close (laughs) He's going to go drive an Audubon and he misses VR day? He's, forget it. He's done. He's dead to me. <laughs> That's uh, so, um, Rich, what you got going on, man? So last time we checked, you were working in a retail pharmacy and yeah. uh, doing just a normal pharmacist life. So yeah.
0: has anything changed for you at all? No, uh, just a tad. You see how I set um, you up with that? I'm still a pharmacist. You are? Technically. Wow. Well, Uh, (laughs) well yeah I mean six months ago or so I actually uh, got into a new role here with VUCA Health. Um, I literally went from one week to you know at a Publix pharmacy uh, handing out my last prescription and you know straight into into the business side of things and um, I'm now the president of VUCA Health and uh, which we are a uh, medication education video company that um, provides uh, patient engagement tools to uh, pharmacies, health systems, mobile apps, um, uh, and patient portals and things like that. So um, it's, it's a super you know interesting side of things. Um, I mean, luckily though, being super passionate about patient education and patient engagement and, and the whole reason I went into pharmacy in the first place um, for me to do this here, it's uh, in a different way i'm uh i'm excited to to kind of jump there so
1: that's awesome man yeah Yeah.
2: it's really a pretty fascinating thing we'll get into it more but um it's it's they do a lot but it's a great way for pharmacies to save paper is one thing that they do and i think that it's good for pharmacies good for the world and good for patients as well lots of stuff we'll get into it yeah
1: yeah so there you go. We're now an eco-friendly podcast. We are. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, for <VUCA> the help. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by VUCA Health. We yeah. Just, making it eco-friendly. Exactly. We just, we just went green. We did. We just went green. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sound effect option. Yes. <laughs> that
0: soundboard's amazing. Oh,
1: such a good investment. Yeah. Yeah. I have an old, uh, I have an old cell phone and using a dollar ninety nine app. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But you talk, you talk about going green, um, just to kind of, you know, give a, a continued plug here. I, uh, we got our start actually by helping pharmacies kind of, kind of get rid of the whole paper thing. Like the, you know, it's been 30 years almost since over 90 kind of came about, which actually required, you know, pharmacists to counsel and give out, um, prescription information with patient, uh, to patients. And for the last 30 years, we've been doing that by using paper and, uh, Our solution actually integrates directly with the pharmacy management systems and puts a QR code right there on the label and allows patients to get access, the option for patients to get access to all their information that normally comes on paper in a digital format. So, um, and not only do they get all that information kind of digitally, but they also get to watch a video um, about their prescription. It's a quick two minute video, Um, really just try to put it in the patient's language um, and something easy to understand. And we offer it in both English and Spanish. So that's awesome. Awesome.
1: So your your program and your software basically in, uh, integrates with the pharmacy software, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And so, um, for example, like QS1. Yeah. Everybody's familiar with QS1 for the most mm-hmm. part. Um, you would just, is it already, in, you guys have already partnered with them, and so basically they just flip a switch and that's it? You have access to your,
0: your software? Basically, yep. Um, a lot of the major ones, uh, RX30, Computer RX. Um, pioneer, um, is another one. Kalos is another one. Best RX, sweet RX. Like there's a lot of the major platforms that are available now for pharmacy management systems. We've already worked with where it's basically, you know, within, within a week, um, people
1: are normally up and running when they sign up. So that's awesome. Yeah. So how, what's the learning curve as far as. Um, not only patients, but also the pharmacist using it. I mean, is it something simple to use? I've never mm-hmm. personally checked it out yet, but yeah. um, what's the feedback you've been getting as far as so patient acceptance? You know, we
0: we think about our patients and we think about how, you know, they're a lot older, obviously, and there's they're not as into the digital wave as as we think they are, but there's actually very, you know... There's a huge wave of people over 65 on Facebook. Um, people over 65 owning a smartphone and having access to all this information digitally. And um, luckily, people like Apple and Google actually make it made it super easy to have a QR code reader into your camera. So if you have an iPhone right now, your camera is actually a QR code reader. You don't have it used to be where you had to download and a separate app uh, to get your QR code reader. But right now on Apple's camera, it is already in there built in. And then for Android phones, it's built into the Google camera um, that's on there. And you literally there is an initial, you know, uh, requirement to talk to the patient to say, hey, or or you can just provide them with a sheet that kind of explains it. But it's really, hey, open your camera app, hover it, you know, around six inches right over that QR code. And then a link drops down and they get full access to everything.
2: And this still meets all the law requirements as far as giving out the med guide and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, so um, here's an interesting thing, and I think a lot of people don't really have never really examined what the requirements are in terms of um providing uh, information to patients about their prescriptions. So, there's two things that's mandated to go with prescriptions, um, which is the the prescription info leaflets. Those are come with every single prescription that's mandated by state boards of pharmacy. And then there's the med guides, and the med guides come only with specific prescriptions, but that's actually right, mandated by the FDA, and that's nationwide. So for the FDA nationwide, we've gotten that confirmation from them, but for the boards of pharmacy, we, so far, we've only we've gotten approval in 41 states, so we're, we're still missing nine states. Um, it's not that they've said no, we just haven't gotten to them yet. I'm actually flying to Maine um, next month to pitch them the solution and make sure we get that approval in that state there. So. Um, but 40, so essentially it's in 41
2: states, pharmacies could go paperless um, with their
0: prescription info. That's
2: pretty cool.
1: Yeah, oh, that's awesome.
2: So, I got a question. So, they use the QR code, and it does seem pretty easy, you know, as far as for me to use, and everything's user friendly on the website. So, say somebody doesn't have access to a QR code, which most mm. do, it does, since it links to a website, can they type in a web address if they needed to to have access to it, or is it all through the QR code?
0: So, there's we do have a platform and a, and a, and a solution that providers can provide the link to their patients too but it's not a link that they can easily kind of like find right Um, it it is coded to have characters and stuff like that and that's for like security purposes um and protection of of our of our information but uh it is the qr code represents a link that can be sent to the patient as well um
2: but it's much easier just to use the qr code exactly it's
0: it's just a (laughs) such an easier way to get access to that but it, it is essentially just a link that um, can be sent directly to patients. Gotcha.
1: And is there a way to still print out the like the guide and stuff like that? Like with QS One, you know, that's the system we use. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to print out the actual leaflet and whatnot? Like if the patient requested a paper copy?
0: Yeah. So that's a great question. So the way that we tell pharmacies how to implement this, it's not an all or nothing solution. Um, we actually, it's kind of like similar to uh, safety caps. So, you know, like traditionally, but as a standard, everyone gets um, the safety caps. That's mm-hmm. uh, what their prescriptions are. and if they don't want it, they have to opt out. So we do that similarly with the paper thing. So um, you, you, we don't advise that pharmacies completely opt everyone out of paper. We say that let your patients opt in, give them the option to opt to opt out of receiving paper. And then uh, some of the pharmacy management systems set up a flag in their in their profile to
1: let that happen. And then once that flag gets turned on, then that wouldn't print for the patient. And so if the, uh, you said there's like a little pamphlet or flyer or something like that, mm-hmm. um, does the pharmacy have to make that or do you guys have those that pharmacies can buy from you?
0: We have collateral that we provide, um, to like marketing collateral that we provide to the pharmacies. Um, they're welcome to do their own if they'd like, um, but that's something that we, we provide to the pharmacies. Cool. Yeah.
2: So other than the obvious benefits of, you know, just generally saving money and saving paper, macro and micro, what do you foresee being potential benefits from This in general,
0: I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, being coming from a community pharmacy background, a lot of my patients, I literally had some people sometimes just tell me, don't even give them the paper, Mm -hmm. like they didn't want to leave home with it because it was a task for them to throw it in the garbage. Um, So just being able to give them the access to that information at any time, specifically for a vial or a box that they're about to take a medication for um, is a really great benefit to have, you know, and that's kind of beyond just the saving paper for the pharmacy. This is more kind of benefits for the patient. Um, for them to have easy access to that information at all times is is amazing. Um, one of the other features that's pretty cool about the access to the QR code is that QR code is specifically matched to that NDC that was dispensed. Mm. And so what we've actually done in the platform is we've also gotten the, the drug image that the pharmacist would likely mm-hmm. use to verify that prescription, that pill that also is going to be tied to that QR code and the patients can actually verify what pill it is that's supposed to be in that particular bottle by the NDC. So that's one thing that's really, really good for patients. And a lot of pharmacies even might see a decrease in calls to the pharmacy asking what their pill looks like once Mm -hmm. the patient's educated that you can just scan your QR code and you can find out. So um, that's another benefit. Um, Those are some micro things. Macro health literacy, man. Like health literacy is a huge problem. Um, And for, you know, the ability to provide a patient with a quick two-minute video in their language, at a fifth-grade reading level, um, in a in an easy to understand way, and and that's reliable from the pharmacy that they trust it. it. It's just it's just I think gonna have a large impact on health literacy if patients know that it's available to them, because if not, what's gonna happen is they're gonna get home, they're gonna you ask them, do you have any questions about your prescription? They said no, I'm okay, mm-hmm. um, when they really had no idea what was going on. But they went home. They're either gonna ask a friend about it, they're gonna go on a forum, they're gonna go to Google, they're gonna go to YouTube. And they're going to find all this crazy information about this prescription that's either not reliable, or not relevant to them, or just like 30 minutes worth of video or long readings. And it's just, it's overwhelming. And so what we try to do is really kind of bring that in, hone that in, and give them information, just what they really need to know enough to empower them to maybe potentially call back the pharmacy and ask further questions. Um, but just kind of empower them to understanding their health and, and uh, trying to have an impact on that health literacy.
2: For sure. Yeah.
1: So if you're working with like an independent chain or something, um, let's say the owner has like three or four different pharmacies mm-hmm. that they own. If they give you the, the fee for the software, do they mm-hmm. get it uploaded to all their pharmacies or is it the same fee for each physical site?
0: So the fees are per site. Okay. Um, and uh, it's because each, each site actually requires a different setup. So mm-hmm. within the platform too, and you know, this is audio, so I can't really show exactly what the platform is like, but trying to describe it a little bit. Um, Part of the platform, when they get access to that QR code, there's a Connect Me button on there. And that Connect Me button is actually specific to the particular pharmacy that they picked up that prescription from. So they'd be able to kind of call back and um, communicate with that particular pharmacy or go to that pharmacy's website. And because of that, that requires that specific pharmacy to have one particular account. Um, So we do have the fees. um, Our fees are set up per location. But... The more locations you have, um, we do, you know, provide kind of multi-store mm. discounts, things like that. So.
2: so do you see stores piloting it in a few stores? you get that option and then if it works out, then they expand or is it kind of, a you know, they kind of all, go all in or, or not? So
0: because it's such an easy integration, um, a lot of pharmacies usually just we, – we do have a couple that want to try it out. You know, they might have like, you know, 10 stores and they'll say, we'll start in one. Um, but we found that, it you know, if you just turn it completely on, it, it usually just works fine. Sure. Um, so – yeah,
1: and I mean the savings alone. I mean, it can be pretty huge, like the first year, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, I mean, so like just a couple, like if a pharmacy's doing, you know, we did some calculations. A pharmacy's doing a hundred prescriptions a day, they're spending, in between paper and toner, assuming that they're printing three sheets um, of paper per prescription, they're spending about seventeen hundred dollars a year in paper costs. And you know, if you look at a pharmacy that's doing four hundred, you know, scripts a day. Uh, that's set around seven thousand dollars a year in paper and toner, and it's just it's just a ridiculous you know f- especially if you're looking at a large chain, you start to scale that out, you know that's a lot of money that's millions of dollars for some of these um, especially some of these larger retailers that's that's just a lot of money and yeah you, know, you look at kind of the DIR fees and you know the clawbacks that pharmacies are dealing with uh, the margins are huge mm-hmm. those couple thousand dollars a store matter, you know, to the success of the business.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's even probably conservative because with rebills and all the other different things you do with paper printing and stuff, it's got to be huge cost savings. Um, Plus it just gives patients options. I mean, you know, there's health literacy and all that, but some people, like you said, they just don't like having the paper. But if you could say, Hey, opt out of this, you'll never have to tell us not to give you paper anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you have constant access to it. I think the constant access is really the the big draw for me because even if they have the paper and they have all intentions of reading it they're going to throw it away. Yeah. And even if they try to read it they probably can't figure out what it says anyway, but having easy access whenever they want to an online source with videos and easy understand stuff. It's pretty great. It's pretty compelling. Yeah, and you know
0: there's there's even some smaller benefits too that you know as I as I learn more about the the aspects of of dealing with paper and really actually think about it because when I was a pharmacist, like I just knew that I had to print the paper and put the paper in the bag. I didn't think anything of it. Right. But you actually start to look at the workflow that paper is a part of the literally the pharmacist having to go reach out the printer, take out the paper, read it, make sure that that name matches what's going on into the bag fold potentially fold or staple that paper, put it in the bag. There, that's a lot of workflow time that you're taking away from the pharmacist um, dealing with paper. Now look at HIPAA. What if you put the wrong page in someone else's bag? Mm-hmm. Then there's a HIPAA concern. Um, what if you're shipping your medications out? Now uh, weight matters when you're shipping the, the cost of the pharmacy. So if you can decrease, you know, the, your package by several ounces, there's a potential, um, you, you know, or fractions of an ounce or whatever. There's a potential that you go under a threshold that'll save you a couple of dollars a package when you're shipping out. So there's a lot of little micro things in in dealing with paper and
2: saving on that paper. That's also I helpful. honestly don't see a downside me neither. Yeah. <laughs> it really is pretty compelling. I would love yeah. to have it because man, 300 400 times of whipping that paper out and folding it, my hands get dry. My knuckles crack. You know how many papers. <laughs> there's, there's all sorts of It's all sorts of benefits. He,
1: Nicole has spent more on moisturizers <laughs> <I know. laughs>
2: in the past 6
0: months <laughs> than he yep. has his whole life. <laughs> you know what's what's funny is I actually mentioned this and, and I, it's funny how this connects and I actually wrote wrote uh, the book I have here uh, before I even got into into this
2: role. Yeah. And the amount of paper cuts that I had to deal with—it's a high. That is the highest risk injury in pharmacies. It's paper t- cuts, and it's ter- paper cuts are the worst kind yeah. of pain. Yeah, like, well, I mean,
1: there's also getting well, shot. From there's a also ro- cancer and shot. <laughs> there is like, a robbery yeah, but like, situation. If
0: you think about your day to day life activities, like regular day to day average individual, your worst pain is a paper cut.
2: Yeah. yeah i do i do actually make that comment frequently about about my job and paper cuts being very high risk it's a high risk <laughs> situation <laughs> of all the things you can call
1: needle sticks like all the things that we actually have paper cuts, cuts we're the, <laughs> the most sissy of all of the healthcare professionals
2: <laughs> i mean we stand behind a desk in a white coat in an air-conditioned building so i guess it's hard to say that we do hard labor that's you know, a dope you know. job we're, we're not are <laughs> not out there construction workers or anything yeah. yeah.
1: no nah, that would that's nah, much harder yes respect uh, for those guys absolutely but um yeah, so that's interesting, man. Um, but you enjoying it though? I'm loving it, man. This is my this is like my zone, like yeah. legit my zone. Yeah. You like the business side of things? I do, man.
0: And you know, it's in- I I was I came into pharmacy for people. Like I'm a real people person, and that's what I wanted to do is have an impact on people. And, you know, that was a, that probably the hardest part of this transition was the thought of leaving patient care. Like that was real hard for me, and. Luckily, I feel like I'm finding it now in not only, you know, they say like, you know, when you go to different roles and higher roles that you can, you know, you're going to have such a large impact on people because it's, you know, just indirectly and stuff like that. And and the people goes to like the thousands or millions potentially instead of just the one person you're talking to at the time. Um, but like you still don't feel that there, you know, you still don't get that reaction there. So I feel like luckily doing things like this, kind of like what you guys are doing, just like having a podcast and having an ability to have an impact on you know, either people, pharmacists that are following or new students um, or like in your guys' case, like PA students, nursing students, like people that are following you guys. Like you actually can have a direct impact on them when they start messaging us and talking to us. And I think that that had luckily I still have there. So it made the transition easy. But like leaving the patients was tough. Sure. But uh, but I'm definitely in my zone, though. I definitely love this side of uh, this side of pharmacy.
2: It's awesome. And yeah, the reason we, we highlight you so much is because I think this is a great example of a very niche entrepreneurial opportunity or idea it's just a great idea and it seems like it's working out pretty well somebody just came up with it and ran with it and you know you guys can do it too yeah exactly
1: yeah for sure I like uh, I like to you know we've we kind of doing the podcasting thing for a while the Instagram thing for a while and, and now I would I'm assuming you've been able to utilize some of your platform from your personal brand to kind of help a little bit with your current role as well, I would imagine. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, what's been cool about the podcast and my current role is I've been able to, some of the customers we have now just provide more value to them. Mm-hmm. Like you give know, them a
1: platform to speak on and yeah, get exactly. that word out more.
0: Exactly. And, and you know, the whole, you know, and I feel like the whole premise of a lot of things that I do is I try to just give as much value to, to whoever it is that I'm either speaking to or in business with or whatever. And like, it's such a great way to do that. Like, yeah, you know, I know I understand that you're paying me for this and you know, you're this is a service and this is a business transaction that's going on, but I also want to do more for you. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you have someone from your from your company to hop on the podcast? Let's get the word out about you guys.
1: No, you know, it's so. smart because I mean, how many times you make a transaction and then they give you a platform to do marketing? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, it is a weird thing. Yeah. But no, I mean, it makes Buy sense. Buyer
2: service get some free advertising on the side. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. it's cool. I like that you can
1: kind of utilize both like that. Yeah. Um, that's why, uh, you know, I'm always a big advocate of people starting their own whatever it is, whether it's blog or podcast or, you know, video blog or whatever it is YouTube channel, um, getting their personal brand going. Cause you never know where you can utilize that later on, even if it's not something you can monetize in the short term.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was talking to Cole about this kind of earlier is that like, you know, there's a lot of leverage that comes along with building your own personal brand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something and it's, and it's not something that people can take from you. You know, like the cool thing about, you know, I, I'm pretty confident things are going to go really well with what the current company I'm working for now, but let's just say it didn't, you know, the personal brand that I have goes with me wherever I go, you know, so, um, and you know, when you do that for yourself, it, it's, 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 you put yourself in a similar situation and gives yourself a lot of leverage. So,
1: yeah. And, you know, I'll, to give even more of that, you know, to kind of add on to that, um, you know, I have two, uh two guys that are p3s right now that are living in miami that just text me yesterday and told me they got me as a rotation nice. um next year so like you know these are guys that i met uh actually at a conference where i was promoting core console rx is where i met richie the first time mm-hmm. um you know and uh th- this was a uh, conference that he had he had already booked and then he invited me to kind of tag along with him because he had an extra ticket for me and that's when we kind of became friends and then um, we met these two students at the time. They were probably P1s then. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, they've kind of watched, um, watched what we were doing on social media and listened to our podcast and stuff. And they they actually just recently started their own podcast, which is awesome. It's called Think ID. Um, Pablo and Williams, give them a shout out. Um, definitely make sure you go check that out. They're both really into uh, infectious disease. That's what they're going to do, residencies and uh, specialize in that. So um, Think ID is their podcast. And... Uh, Definitely proud of those guys, but um, they told me, yeah, that they, because they were listening to podcasts and they want to kind of like, you know, work with me one-on-one and stuff, they're going to come to Charleston mm-hmm. and have a rotation, so all the way from cool. uh, Nova. So nice. That's pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. So you, you, would, you never know where the uh, the benefits are going to come, you know, from with having a personal platform to speak on.
0: Yeah. I'm excited to see what they'll do. Let me, let me tell you, like when, when I heard like kind of the premise of like their show, I just would have never. I would feel like this is completely useless on that show. <laughs> I'm terrible at ID, <laughs> like infectious disease. I punted that in school. Yeah, like I was just like not doing this part. Just pharmacy <laughs> school. Yeah. yeah, we we take
2: on some ID topics, but you know, I usually instead of my non-preparing with ID topics, I actually do some reading ahead of time. Yeah, don't want to. That like was a hard
0: for me in school, man. Like yeah, it's intense. Did not. I was just like not like just pick my battle on that
1: one. Yeah, I took an L. Yeah, I just went ahead and took <laughs> yeah. on that one. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go into QR codes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's definitely a hard topic. And and anytime I feel like, yeah, I kind of feel like I get, I'm getting a handle on that. Then I hang out with someone like, you know, Dr. Mezner uh, that was on the podcast last mm-hmm. couple of episodes. And yeah, I was like, nope, I'm stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Never that's mind. Funny. But uh, yeah, that's cool, man. Uh, I appreciate you kind of filling us in on all that. Yeah. And uh, so we are the evidence-based medicine podcast. So let's Oh do we, are? we are, that's what I heard. Okay. Yeah. So we, we need to do a little bit of clinical uh, on here. So Rich, feel free to jump in anytime you want. Oh, uh, I was going to say, this is
0: where I'm at. Yeah, <laughs> <not laughs> <be> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just hold, just hold your book up in the yeah. VR. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, this is a patient that I had at the clinic. So we're going to kind of just go through her stuff. I didn't actually write this down. So, and this is the first time, uh, Cole is seeing this, unfortunately. Um, So So you're not supposed to tell
2: them that, or maybe you do. So then they're really impressed.
1: Um, but, uh, we'll see. I just, my video just kind of went crazy on me. We'll see. (laughs) Let's back up. Um, let's do it. So we'll, uh, we're going to run through this case real quick and kind of see how it goes. But, um, yeah, we'll... Just kind of give you the brief overview. Um, so this patient originally showed up to the clinic um, for diabetes education, and once I kind of started speaking with her, uh, found out she's got a lot more uh, comorbidities than just diabetes. Uh, so just to give you some background information, um, the patient was taking uh, metformin 1,000 milligrams twice a day, um, was taking losartan 25 milligrams, uh, was taking amlodipine, 10 milligrams. Trazodone, 50 milligrams. Citalopram, 20 milligrams. Um, and was also using a atorvastatin 10. Um, and Basaglar um, was using uh, 25 units every day in the morning. Um, so that was kind of the, the current med list that I had whenever um, the patient got to the clinic. Um, a The A1C that we drew that day was 13.3. So... It's pretty solid. It's a solid, <laughs> solid A1C. Um, and that was up from 11.5 uh, previously in October. Um, we went ahead and got all new labs because we hadn't um, had labs in a while. Um, the most recent labs that we did have, um, really the only thing that was abnormal was the, uh, the glucose that they took at the time. Um, that was elevated. But everything else was, was normal, electrolytes were normal. Um, the lipid panel was also a little elevated as far as the LDL. Um, it was sitting at 119. Uh, all the other, um, the triglycerides, everything else was, was in normal range. Um, so LDL probably needs to come down a little bit. But um, no uh, microalbuminuria issues or anything like that. So um, everything else was, was unremarkable, as they say.
2: So what other comorbidities other than diabetes? I guess we can infer some, right? Like um, depression. Yeah. So insomnia.
1: Insomnia and depression were the the big ones. Um, the uh the blood pressure was currently controlled because it was one sixteen over seventy six when she came into clinic that day. What about the cholesterol? Um, cholesterol. We did We ordered a new uh, lipid panel because we don't know what the LDL is. Ah. I would imagine, um, it's not much better. Um, yeah. That last lipid panel was for like from. Uh, I believe August. So we're actually getting one much earlier than we probably need to, but um, we didn't draw the panel. So we, we do it ourselves just so we had it from our own lab. Is she great. New to you guys. Mm, yeah, she was new. Gotcha. Um, so as far as the diabetes goes, obviously the A1C being that high, um, was an issue. So, um, one of the first things I talked to her about was the metformin. Asked her how she was taking that. Cause a thousand milligrams twice a day. Great. It's the, you know, Typical gold dose. Um, turns out, though, it was causing a lot of GI distress. So, obviously, my first order of business was to look at uh, switching to ER. Um, extended release, usually a little bit better on the stomach. And, we, you know, that should be one of the first things we address with metformin. Um, the other uh, aspect of that is I, I, because she was she was missing doses because of the GI upset. So, I didn't really know what her actual tolerable dose was for her so i I encouraged her to take it down to 500 milligrams of the er twice a day and then she i told her if it's still upsetting your stomach to just do it once a day um and then when we follow up with her again we'll try to add another 500 milligrams either in the morning or at night and we can work our way back up um the other thing was the uh she wasn't testing her blood sugar so she's taking insulin 25 units um but Obviously, once is way out of control, she's twenty-five units is not nearly enough, and uh, she's on the basal insulin. Um, the couple times that she did check her blood sugar, she was checking it um, at bedtime and was taking the insulin in the morning. Um, the so the bedtime sugars were all like three hundreds, you know, right. really, really elevated. And uh, she, when she kind of described her diet and whatnot. Um, was was very high, um, in in
2: carbs and high BMI. And I guess you're high BMI. Mentioning. Yeah,
1: um, but she just was very um, unaware of what a carb was. Like to be honest, like she, yeah. she. So I showed her a picture of a food label and and asked her if so. How much sugar do you think is in this? Because on the food label that I used as a sample, it has carbohydrate like total carbs, and then underneath that it has fiber and sugar. Mm-hmm. And there's only one gram of sugar in the food label, but there's 24 total grams of carbs. And so she's like, oh, it's only got one gram. And so she didn't realize that carbohydrates meant, you know, total amounts of sugar. Right. Um, so she was just eating anything. And she was looking more like the cholesterol and things like that on the food label versus the total carbs. So talked to her pretty extensively about diet. I gave her one of Nova Nordisk's um, books that you can get on carb contents of food yeah. and, and whatnot. So. The other thing was I I can't really I don't want to really adjust her insulin necessarily because I don't really know what her morning fastings are. Nighttime obviously is pretty elevated, but she was eating really late in the in the evening, and so um, you know wasn't uh, it it was just kind of hard to to figure out where to where to go with the insulin. And so I gave her a little like take home book on um, writing down her blood sugars and told her if she can write them down. Um, check a couple times a day, you know, maybe when she first wakes up and then like maybe before dinner um, to give us some more insight, then we can look at adjusting her insulin dose. But we didn't really mess with it much um, then.
0: So I I know that you guys are, it's mainly like clinical that you're focused on, but do you guys ever go through like the potential economic impact on like if you like switch something? So like, I mean, for example, the kind of going to metformin ER, depending on their, the patient's, like, socioeconomic status, like, that might be not affordable for them, especially if they can get it free at, like, some pharmacies.
1: Right. So the good thing for my particular setting and why I'm so um, liberal with changing things like that is because I have, the the clinic is a 340B, has a 340B pharmacy in it. So I can get the metformin for still, like, $4. Oh, nice. um, Even though it's the ER. That's amazing. Um, so it's very
2: cheap. So we try to caveat that sometimes. All I remember right. that exact subject coming up um, because I know, the immediate release metformance free some places but Mm -hmm. yours not Um, so yeah keeping that in mind and we always say usually when we do a patient case we're like yeah this is best case scenario and we try to say but you know GLP one sometimes there's gonna be a cost issue so you always have to explore those types of things yeah Um, but yeah we live in a perfect world up here behind microphones unfortunately yeah yeah yeah. yeah.
1: no it's a good thought though um, and the reason, you know, she, so she, this lady is actually not funded. Um, and so the way, the way she's able to afford like her basic law and whatnot um, is we have her on a patient assistance program so that we're getting the medications for her um, at no charge.
2: So oh, awesome. um, that's okay. just
1: one of the things that our caseworkers had found for her.
2: Yeah. So um, I guess you're not going to adjust it today. So I guess future, would you obviously be adjusting it and looking into um, Prandial potentially?
1: So what we ended up doing, because we didn't really have any blood sugars to go off of, we didn't really know what to um, adjust as far as her basilar dose. We did end up putting her on Victoza because that gotcha. was one of the medications we could get um, associated with the, the program. So we could get it to her for free. Um, and she also, one of her goals is to lose weight on top of it and to not have the, um, not eat as big of meals. And so it was kind of a win-win with that. And then we'll adjust the the basal insulin once we get some more to more numbers in.
2: So with the toes that we got weight loss and we've got hitting the prandial insulins um plus we don't run
1: the risk necessarily um with hypoglycemia. Right,
2: lower risk of hypoglycemia. We have cardiac benefit from the leader trial. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good option.
1: Yeah. So definitely uh what we ended up going with and then we'll uh, adjust her like I said basal accordingly if as long as she brings us back some numbers. But um Which
2: is yes, not another real life thing to consider, just like cost, is, is she gonna actually check her sugar? Is she gonna write it down? Um, you know, or is she gonna fill it in with, you know, whatever because she realized she had an appointment, so she started to write some stuff down. You know, you never know. Yeah. I wonder if there's like a I just have an idea.
0: I wonder yeah. if there's like a texting service where like you can just text someone like quickly, like fifty eight. Or, well that's actually not really good So let's say like 100, 150 <laughs> Go to the hospital Yeah exactly <laughs> But like you text someone like Like 150 And then it automatically Goes into your record
2: Like a, a record So like thing. after the patient They they, um, they check and text yeah. You know what I'm saying They have like
1: Continuous glucose monitoring now With like yeah. Freestyle Libre and stuff Yeah it's but like that's expensive uh, it, yeah, but if, if, if someone who has commercial insurance and, you know, even some of that, I think the Medicare plans now, you can actually, it's pretty affordable. I think yeah. sometimes um, they need a
2: PA, but, um, yeah, they, they are being covered. I think it's like it's, they have to say that they have to check their sugar like five times a day or something yeah, like that yeah. to get it covered.
0: I don't know. I feel like if you tell some of these patients, like, yeah, you can trust all that complications or you can just text me.
1: Yeah. this I can tell you right now that would not have flown, flown in this situation. <laughs> There's no shot. Yeah. Oh, I've gotten zero numbers texting. <laughs> <to me. laughs>
2: Um, so, uh, but yeah, I guess apps for tracking blood sugar wouldn't be a horrendous idea because yeah. you know, who wants to carry around a booklet all the time. If you could yeah. do it in your phone and people have a phone, I'm sure that it exists. Actually, I bet yeah. you it does. I, I would be well, remiss the best to think it the doesn't. apps
0: exist, Yeah, but I just, the texting, I feel like is such a, a native thing to a lot of people using smartphones and stuff now, whereas instead of telling them log into this app, potentially, you know, put in like some info to get there and then go find where you need to put in your thing and then put it in rather than just saying
2: just texting a number or um hey Siri yeah there you go there you go yeah that's a good idea now it's know. in there now I'll track in there. my blood sugar yeah. again it's not gonna fly yeah <laughs> I'm just not gonna. hopefully somebody can think of this idea and then hit me up different patient then for, uh, we'll,
1: we'll, we'll throw yeah. that out there for different different patients. patient <laughs> one that happens to run a tech company yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other piece of the puzzle which she said, um has diabetic neuropathy um, so this is where we got a little, um, had to go a little crazy because, uh, not crazy. Just going crazy. <laughs> we went crazy. Um, so in the past, she'd had gabapentin, but it was making her gain weight, which made her feel tired. She didn't like it. So she wasn't taking it, but she was still having a lot of problems. Um, so when we have this particular patient situation, they're having neuropathy issues. Um, one of the first labs we'll get is a B12. Level, So we drew that and uh, I'm still waiting on to see what those results, so it was a send out lab for us. So we're waiting to see what those results come back as. Um, Because if the patient is on uh, metformin, metformin depletes intrinsic factor in the gut and so you're not able to absorb vitamin B12. And so um, the ADA had—I uh, think it was last year—added um, as part of their metformin um, option that you need to be getting a B12 level. I think once a year they said, um, but uh, to make sure that that's not happening because that can actually worsen the um, worsen the patient's diabetic neuropathy.
2: Along so, with a poor diet, I'm sure it would probably just add to it. Yeah. So um,
1: we'll come back to the uh, you know we'll come back to the uh don't diabetic neuropathy um because it was kind of in combination we treated it in combination um with the depression. So cool, I'll let you jump on it a little bit. But she's on Se- selexa twenty, um, not doing well on it. Not she feels like it doesn't do anything for her at all. Does, she's been on it for a few months, um, feels no benefit whatsoever. Yeah. So um yeah, what's our what, what direction are we gonna go with it? So
2: I mean Selexa, you know, it star D it's one of the first line options. It's good, good to try. Um we could increase the dose. We could see if it's going somewhere, but if she's had it for a few months and nothing's happened, then we may want to go to something else. Trazodone was probably add on, added on for a couple of reasons. One, because it can be used for depression. Two, because it can be used for insomnia because it mm-hmm. has you know the antihistametic effect. Do we like that? It's yeah, it's done all the time. It's nah. literally done all the time. Is that the best? You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that there's great data for it. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know that I would completely switch her now, maybe look into increasing and give it a couple weeks. Next visit, maybe looking at doing something else. Is it her piece? I guess, are you handling this? Mm -hmm. Or, okay. So she is not a psych doctor. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, she wasn't being seen by psych or anything. Um, And so, you know, the couple things like like Cole mentioned with the STAR D trial, um, the way I kind of like look at when you go to step two, if step one didn't work, um, you know, ideally she would have had the medication, um, the dose maximized. So she was at 20, she could have gone to 40. Um, That wasn't done, but she was getting no benefit at all from the Selexa. And we also, again, remember we want to treat that diabetic neuropathy. So, um, the next step in the star trial, they gave several options and you could either augment, um, or you could replace and, or switch whatever you want to call it. And so one of the options in the, the switch category, um, was to switch to like venlafaxine. Um, and so, um, you know, an SNRI. Uh, and so in this particular case, and, and now she was getting benefit from the Celexa. Um She was having some, you know, maybe her PHQ-9 score had decreased from wherever it was at baseline. Um, and she was getting some benefit, but not fully in remission. Then we could have probably augmented. We could have added abuse bar, right. um, something along those lines. But because she wasn't getting any benefit whatsoever um, and we had another comorbidity we were trying to deal with, we went ahead and went the SNRI route. Um, and because diabetic neuropathy was an issue, we went and switched her to, uh, duloxetine. Yeah. So we're going to do probably unnecessary for her dose, but we went ahead and did a, uh, a quick titration off of the selexa and then started, um, a lower dose deloxetine at the time. And then once she completely stops the selexa, the, the deloxetine will get bumped to 60 milligrams. Yeah.
2: It's good to be safe. Yeah. I was a little skeptical when I first, you know, learned SNRIs could be used for pain and especially nerve pain. um, but now that maybe my wife's in neurology, they do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like all the time when they're doing um, some type of ambiguous nerve pain and depression. And they actually get, I mean, pretty good results yeah. from it. And duloxetine is actually indicated
1: now for diabetic neuropathy specifically. Yeah. So that's the reason we went with that one to cover our basis as well. Um, and so hopefully she'll that'll help a little bit with the depression on top of it. And now we're covering two neurotransmitters instead of just one. Right. We're covering serotonin and norepinephrine. And so um, hopefully that will... That will work out for you know. Again, this, we just made these switches, so we'll see. But um,
0: is isn't there a, isn't there a like potential for blood pressure problems with some of the SNRIs?
1: Potentially, um, is that
2: is that clinically relevant? There is, but I think um isn't it, I think it's mostly with Effexor, and you have to get above. A certain dose gotcha you
1: know? and and actually really like it's it's fetzima and some of those yeah, that those I'm a lot more worried ones, about yeah um you know duloxetine and and venlafaxine both have a lot of and like cold you know when you get in a higher doses of venlafaxine maybe but like um I'm not super worried about it um in the lower doses and um I mean we're her blood pressure is 116 right now anyway
2: right, so yeah, cool, cool. you know we am not I think it's, it's like 150 and above with effects when you even have to worry about it at all but no, that was a good thought, though, because yeah. that's definitely something that they... Just trying to do my thing. They threw out to us, so...
1: You're a clinical genius over there. <laughs> trying to be a <laughs> clinical ninja out here, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> It's a hard life out here in the suburbs. But no, so that, that was kind of our plan to handle depression and the... Uh, um,
2: diabetic neuropathy. and what dose did you do Cymbalta?
1: So we start at thirty, 30 for the yeah. the week that she's titrating off the citalopram. So we did the half dose citalopram, deluxe Duloxetine thirty, and we'll go up to sixty. And eventually, you want to go sixty twice a day with Diabetic Neuropathy, Typically,
2: so what's the plan with um, Trazodone? Because I guess if she, if she her um, depression improved, her insomnia might improve as well. Do you just want to if she's okay on it, you just going to leave it, or is there like long term um, so option to take it off?
1: Just I'd like to take it off eventually. Um, so just for the time being, um, we ended up keeping it on because she wasn't having any orthostatic hypotension from it. Um, the problem with the insomnia, I think actually comes from, um, uh, the poor sleep hygiene. Yeah. So when I asked her about what she does, um, she was a super hard worker. She had like two jobs and she was, you know, always doing stuff around her house. And like, once I kind of got like a social history, she was working all the time. And so I asked her like when she's laying in bed and she's, um, can't sleep and she's having like feeling a little anxious. What she does to kind of compensate for that, and she said, Oh, I just get up and I start cleaning. Next thing you know, I'm wide awake, I feel good. I said, <laughs> <like>, Well, okay. <laughs> and I said, So, you know, I talked to her about if she can't fall asleep within 10 15 minutes to kind of get out of the bed and go sit on our couch and read a book. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, Do you like to read? And she said, Yeah, oh, she's I get so tired when I read. <laughs> 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 and so I was like, Man, perfect. perfect yeah. yeah, that's funny. So, We've uh, done insomnia, haven't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, because yeah, I remember talked.
2: talking about reading and, and um, specifically you're supposed to read something boring because mm-hmm. you know if you read something exciting so you
1: snag a pharmacotherapy book yeah and yeah you sit down Tapiro. with it yeah so you don't
2: <laughs> you don't read first-time farms yeah <laughs> don't read that that'll well, get you exciting way too in there. oh my gosh let me That's tell you next level yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> be pumped after <laughs> you'll never go to sleep yeah there has to be like a thing on your soundboard for that yes month. <laughs> hang on yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> nice <laughs> car alarm. <laughs> the the snri thing is that is there also an issue with with insomnia as well there
2: uh,
1: it can potentially yeah okay. for
2: anything messing with serotonin in, in the initial stages especially you can have some insomnia and stuff but the idea is that once it gets to you know steady state and over the course of a week or two it should subside cool. and actually help because it's helping the depression I think is the
0: idea. Well, i so far need to come right here more often. I'm learning a bunch now. Cool maybe if you actually <laughs> listen to our podcast and, <laughs> and some yeah, I try from, to listen and, this thing and showed sometimes. some support for once. <laughs> <laughs> this is crap actually. I just realized I think this is the first time I've been on this podcast. I don't think so. You're like over fifty. As in, oh, no, right?
2: no. Right? Have I been on here before? I don't know. Oh, yes, because you recorded downstairs. Did we have him on? I'm sh- I think so. I yeah. think
1: we had Adam on. I don't think we had him.
2: Are you sure? No. Okay. I'm going to find it. Oh, maybe it was, I think it was your podcast, but they recorded it in this area. Maybe. Hard to say. No. Possibly. Maybe I'm making it all up. Anywho. You've been on here 17 times. Yeah. Yet, so just, <laughs> just be quiet and be it. thankful. He's <laughs> actually Steve. He's the one who's always back yeah. there working the, uh, the audio. Um,
1: And then I guess just to finish it up, uh, the. The cholesterol so, yeah. so ldl is still high go for yeah. it cool so i they figure
2: go. you know even based on his old labs it wouldn't hurt to go and increase it but if you wanted to you could weigh on the new labs and increase
1: no. it i wanted to increase it anyway yeah so i would just jump to Lipitor 80 to be honest
2: why not yeah
1: new guidelines she's at risk she's had um blood pressure she's in the past she's had some other things overweight um that way under out of control diabetes um I would say 80. So fine. would she
2: be a goal with new guidelines of 70 or are we still just under 100 for her? It
1: depends on which guideline. If you yeah. look at, uh, I think even with her, she's never had a cardiovascular event or, you know, she's never had a stroke, never had an MI. So I think uh, with even with the ACE guidelines, she'd probably still be at 70. Because um, she wouldn't be considered extreme risk, I don't believe. Yeah, no, um, no, no, Which no. is the 55. Um, yeah. But yeah, 70 probably with the new ones just because of the uncontrolled diabetes. Yeah, I think that'd be a um, good goal. But yeah, I, think, I would imagine her ASCVD risk is pretty high. Yeah, Um, non-smoker. Didn't didn't calculate it out. Yeah, she's not a smoker. I didn't calculate it out myself, but I definitely would uh, assume it's up there with her diabetes and hypertension treatment. What was her age? Uh, She was just under 60, I believe.
2: Do you want to consider an aspirin for her?
1: No. I hate aspirin now.
2: You just don't like it (laughs) at all?
1: (laughs) No. And then that that, uh, meta-analysis just came out the other day, too, um, and showed that there is some benefit um, in the age group that... You know, we've used from like the US Preventive Services right. Task Force, but the number needed to harm for a bleed was higher than the number needed to treat to prevent an event. Really? I just, yeah. That's I'd even really like,
2: like colorectal cancer and that whole conversation. Well, and
1: the colorectal cancer thing was a matter of you have to be on it for 10 years at least to yeah. really see the benefits. So, yeah, I just, with all the new trials that have come out with that, the big meta analysis that came out, I think it was like the 23rd of January. Um, I could be wrong on that, but um, yeah, I just, not a huge fan anymore. It's just gone. I think the interesting. I'd be curious to see if the U.S. Preventive Service Task Force reevaluates their recommendations here pretty and soon. That's all
2: primary prevention. Yeah,
1: prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Secondary prevention is different, but primary prevention, not a fan anymore.
2: Yeah, interesting.
1: Just my two cents. But
2: yeah, I mean, it's all it, we can give. You
1: know, is uh, as far as her blood pressure though, she's controlled. She's on uh losartan and amlodipine. You know. Uh, we don't necessarily, not having any side effects from it. We don't need to go up in the low sartin because she's not having any, you know, uh, not spilling any protein. Kidneys are okay right now. So, yeah, all in all, just kind of uh, getting waiting on those, those blood sugar readings so we can kind of see if we need to go up in the basal water.
2: I like it. Quick and dirty, um, easy case. And, you know, when you're looking at these types of cases, students, your mind can go through that stuff super quick. Yeah. Super quick.
1: Super quick, and if yeah. you're not out of that room in five minutes, you're failing. Oh, less than five minutes, failing my rotation. <laughs> you uh, better listen to that, Nova guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, dang can- it, cancel.
2: What have we done? Cancel driving all the way up there for this,
1: but uh, yeah, anything else, gentlemen? What else can we talk about? <laughs> That's all I got. Cool, um, Rich man, always a pleasure. Thanks, Thanks for not- stopping by, appreciate you having me on here, of course. Maybe we'll have you on again. Hopefully. You play man. your cards right.
2: Yeah. God, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. You're here's real th- slick.
1: Here's the thing, though. First VR episode, are you kidding me? That's eh, quite a honor. Eh, That's pretty big deal. That's
2: probably a bigger deal than episode 50. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. For <laughs> or sure. even 51. Yeah,
1: especially 51. Yeah, so this I mean, is
2: 52.
0: It's, it's just going to be a, a super significant number now. I mean, like, people are going to have to, like, really. It's, and it's awesome. cool because it takes you a while to get there. You know, yeah. like, you have to do a bunch to get to 52.
2: You so do. Like you have to do basically 51 things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Exactly. Or, or 52 with one not being released in our case. Yeah. 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 Right. So it's <laughs>
0: just, you know, it's one you got to get there. And then when you get there, it's like, then you can do something real cool.
1: So cool. You know? We're going to have shirts that just say 52 on them. Yeah. And then if you listen to the podcast, you know what's up. You
2: know, you know what's going on. Our new company. There'll be a picture of the Oculus. Yeah. our new company that we don't know. There's no way we'll get in trouble for that.
0: <laughs> that we don't know exists yet, that yeah. we're all going to form at some point. It's uh-huh. just going to be called 52. Wow. There you
2: go. And we will know what's happening. And yeah. then the two people who listen to this episode will 52, also know what's happening.
1: 52 Productions. There you go. I don't know. 52 Studios. We'll it's all downhill from really, here. Wait,
2: basically. no,
0: no, no. It's just one studio, though. Just don't.
1: <laughs> 50, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It. It's hard. It, it's, we'll work on it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll work on that. It's no so much sure.
2: better than Area 51 yeah it'll be sure. our, it'll be our oh, it's a whole another level though yeah. yeah that's actually we have, we have no aliens at ours hiring <laughs> Cole yeah, marketing we yeah, yeah. In of marketing. <laughs> out. we're out <laughs> yeah. <laughs> marketing and clinical there you go
1: but yeah so and if also if you guys haven't checked out his book um, go uh, on Amazon first time pharmacist um, even if you've been a pharmacist for a minute <laughs> go uh, show some support for a guy who wrote a book it's pretty cool appreciate <laughs> it <laughs> and uh, no it's a good book so make sure you go check it out um, read the, uh, also read the, the very beginning who dedicates it to, I don't know, it's just probably <laughs> just really touching. Um, you might recognize the guy's name in there. It's me.
0: <laughs> I, I definitely had to recognize Mike in there. And the reason is because like, I just know that as, as we were building our brands and building kind of the things that we're doing, there was always one individual that like, I knew that was potentially working harder than I was. And it was this jerk right here. And, and it just, it kept me up at night. Working harder, trying
2: to work harder, because he's he's an inspiration with the things that he does. I'm feeling some so serious guy love. Y'all seen Scrubs? Mm-hmm. That's no. been a while. Yeah. I I know what it is. The song "Guy Love." You can you can Google it later. But I'm the, afraid uh, of what that. Oh, uh, I'm not <laughs> giving that a this, a this is exactly what's happening. It's a trap. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> hey,
1: for those of you listening home, do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> do not funny. listen to that cool thing. <laughs> Don't listen to anything I say ever. Oh man, but yeah, go check it out. It's on Amazon. You can order a copy. You can watch it electronically or uh, read it on your Kindle device, or mm-hmm. you can get a hard copy. So, um, also, I'll uh, give a shout out to Online MedEd. Those guys over there sent us uh, some cool stuff, some cool swag. Um, for those of you seeing the video version, we got our the mascot cat in the background now.
2: Or the virtual reality version. Oh yeah,
1: go ahead. Just look up to your right, left corner if you're watching the virtual reality <laughs> yeah.
0: version. I really like this met, this met Ed book. Honestly, like they, yeah, no, that's awesome. They like it's like a twist inside. Like they have like it's like they wrote it by hand. It's printed, but you
1: know it's it's a twist and it, and it's a good way to kind of keep you intrigued. So yeah, definitely no, check good. out this thing. And, uh, yeah. And also, if you have like a brand or something like that, like, and you want to put some stuff up in the background of our podcast, go for it. Like, because you know, we
2: clearly love plugging things. So, yeah, I mean, it's not that do. hard. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we're happy to help out some friends. So, if you've got something you're trying to get off the ground or whatever, we're more than happy to add to our collection of stuff. We're going to, uh, go ahead and install some more shelving here pretty soon. It's the next step. But, uh, yeah. So, thank you guys so much for listening. And, um, you know, I appreciate all the uh, the comments, the ratings we've been getting. That's really helping us out a ton. Um, if you guys do like the podcast, please give us a subscribe, um, throw us a rating. It takes two seconds. You don't even have to leave a comment because we know whether you click in the stars that uh, <laughs> that that, you, that your comment is is you know kind of understood <laughs> so it helps us out a lot so i appreciate it um make sure you check out uh, rich's uh, instagram page um, go to rxradio.fm. all right thank you guys so much for listening and uh we will catch you on episode 53 see ya
0: So if you want to tune into the Core Consult Direct podcast, it's basically available everywhere else. So it's on iTunes, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. I think they have a YouTube channel as well. Um, definitely go check them out. And uh, if you haven't yet, please subscribe and make sure to connect with us on all your favorite social media platforms. And hope you have a good rest of your weekend.
2: Pharmacy it's the real deal we're, we're basically professionals honestly i feel really good about this <laughs> does it get any more professional than this
1: hey rich remember uh when we we first heard the cloud for the first time he goes he's like there's no background noise I was like no that's perfect bro I just turn the cloud the cloud, sure. uh, the cloud oh, does lifters. he not
2: have cloud lifters is that what the he didn't uh, have he didn't have them Uh nah, didn't have them yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're so last part. month man bro you're
1: living <laughs> in the 2018 <laughs> Dude,
0: era does it get plugged in somewhere or no? no it
1: doesn't need oh, to okay. be yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear myself huh I can't hear myself you oh can't, I
1: got it I'm I was going to say give it five sh- seconds sh- or turn know, them I on yeah it's 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 understandable you don't have cloud lifters the dark ages. Sense. I didn't yeah, expect you had to use that. the technology. <laughs> all
0: right, we're good. All right. <laughs> oh oh this man, sucks. I'm terrible. Access ah. granted. Damn it.
1: <laughs> got the uh, got sound the effects. Uh, sound effects all
0: queued up. We got to use those because we didn't. We didn't. Use, I don't think. to turn it down there a little bit. Um, I don't think we used that in the uh, in the last okay, in, the, in the last episode. No, the knob man. I that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. I
2: think. Compared to our voices. Yeah. Yeah, we always talk a big game about using them. And we usually throw in like one, maybe two. But Just for the heck of it. Yeah. God damn it, Cole.
0: You sound great. We all sound, <laughs> great. We all sound great. He's <laughs> got the perfect radio voice. The, your
2: voice. Your radio voice is fucking immaculate, that, man. That's the point of these microphones <laughs> and, the, uh, and the, the bubble lifters down there. I'm
1: jealous. Uh, it's okay, man. You'll get cloud lifters one day.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I feel <laughs> like to get to Cole's voice, I need, I need like vocal training yeah no it's, it's a good point i promise i've had zero i know it's a problem you're he's, born that way on like. the way on the, the way over here he's like la, 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 la. <laughs> one time actually when we first started i looked up how to have a good like podcast voice or whatever and it's like don't eat before don't drink carbonated beverage don't do this blah, blah blah don't drink cold beverages i had like a whole thing of chinese just a second ago with a soda and now i have got the cold water so yeah, yeah don't don't follow the rules